Bill and Jenny for, um, for sharing and, and for doing and lighting the candle of peace. Um, good morning. Um, it, it's great to be up here this morning. And, uh, you know, we're in this sort of in-between time between, in the calendar between right, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. And so I s- still sort of have Thanksgiving a little bit on my mind. Um, and I hope for you, you've uh, recovered. You had a good Thanksgiving and that you've recovered from, uh, you know, the time that you had uh, and that you're back into your normal routine. I think at our house, um, we're still trying to recover. Um, it was a pretty crazy Thanksgiving this year. For Thanksgiving, we usually have about 15 people, and we have it at our house. And uh, it's just kind of a smaller gathering between Renee's family and my family. And we usually have about 15 or 16 people. And that's like about the right size for uh, our family, for our, the size of our home, for our kitchen. Um, but this year we had, we counted, we had 27 people uh, come to our house this year uh, for Thanksgiving including five international students uh, from Japan. And these were international students that uh, we had never met before. Um, so I have a friend who teaches English, and he teaches English as a second language. Uh, and so he asked, can they come and experience a, an American Thanksgiving? And so, um, so they came to our house. So, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of crowded, kind of hectic. Um, fortunately, we had lots of food. We had our turkey, stuffing, ham, orange chicken, chow mein, <laughs> rice. Right? So just like the pilgrims and the Indians had, right? Right? jello, and, um, and all the things, you know, all in all, everything worked out. Everything worked out very well, and it was one of the more memorable times of Thanksgiving, I think, that I've had or that we've had uh, in, in years and to, uh, today, this morning, we're going to look at a passage um, where we see uh, two relatives coming together. And uh, that's the, the blessing, I think, of Thanksgiving and the holidays. Um, if you have family in the area, friends, is to be able to get together and to catch up to find out what's going on in their lives. And in our passage this morning, um, we're going to see like a, a reunion like that, where two relatives get together and they need to catch up and find out what's going on in, in their lives. Um, so uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and uh, I'll read verses 39 through 56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. When she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, uh, where she, I'm sorry, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, 
My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Let's pray. Father, as we open up your word, um, we open it up, Lord, uh, asking you to speak to us this morning. Uh, Use my words, Lord. May they be your words, your thoughts, your heart, Um, and and that that will be all that's remembered here this morning is what you speak to us. I pray that you would speak to us individually, speak to us as a church family. We thank you for this opportunity to learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Mary's just been told by the angel Gabriel that by the work of the Holy Spirit, she will conceive and give birth to a baby boy. Okay, but this is not just any boy. We know that this will be the Son of God, the Messiah. We see this back in verse 35, just a little up from our passage where it says, The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So just kind of imagine in your mind's eye. I know you may have, if you've been in church a long time, you may be very familiar with this this story. But try to imagine in your mind's eye the scene here. Mary is a young Jewish girl. We're not sure exactly how old, but probably about 13, 14 years old. She's a virgin. She's engaged but not yet married. Living in a small town like Nazareth was, she's most likely poor. She's most likely uneducated, illiterate. And the angel tells her that she's going to have a baby. And that baby will be the son of the Most High God. Now this this is... This is crazy stuff. This is unbelievable news that she receives. What does she do? What does she do next? What would you do? You know, you probably, I think the first thing we think of is finding someone to talk to. Who can can I talk to about this? I need to get this off my chest. I need to process this with somebody. Um, You got to tell someone, but who? Right? Who would understand? She's engaged to Joseph. Joseph's her fiancé. But do you think he would understand? Right? I don't think Joseph would be very excited or understanding to hear the news that his young fiancé is suddenly pregnant. Right? And, and pregnant by an act of God. Okay, at least not initially 
This is not something I think that Joseph could hear. We look at verse 36 then, and the angel says to Mary, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us exactly how old Elizabeth is. But if we look back at verse 18, we see that Zechariah, her husband, Zechariah says that he's an old man. They expect, they, uh, scholars look and they think that he's probably around 80, 90 years old at this point. It says he's, he says he's an old man, and he says his wife, in verse 18, if you look at that, his wife is well along in years. Right? Now, that's a smart guy. <laughs> right? Take note of that, guys. He doesn't call his wife old. Right? She's well along. Right? That's, that's, that's genius. <laughs> but best guess, Elizabeth is probably somewhere around 80 years old. Okay, so Mary's 13 or 14, Elizabeth somewhere in her 80s. And this is a miracle. Elizabeth is expecting. This is a blessing. It's a blessing that she would be able to conceive after all of these years. But I think this is an act of compassion by God to Mary that Elizabeth is expecting. Elizabeth's pregnancy is a sign of God's care for Mary. Now Mary has someone to talk to. She has someone to go through this experience with. Someone who's a bit older and more mature. Someone who knows that what's taking place is the work of God. Like in the book of Titus, it says the older woman, the older women should train and teach the younger women. Because there's real value in life experience. And so there's a, there's a bit of a lesson, I think, for us here in some ways. And I know churches that have ministries called Titus Ministries. And it is pairing up younger women and older women so that they might teach and learn and, and train. Um, and so life experience is important. But what we see is that Elizabeth is going to be there for Mary. So it says, Mary hurried off to Elizabeth in a town of Judea. Now, it doesn't say exactly where in Judea, okay, but Mary's coming from Nazareth. She's going to the region of Judea, some town. Uh, they say that, depending on where in Judea, it can be up to 100 miles away. So this is not around the corner. Mary is packing a bag. She is going intentionally to see her relative. Elizabeth, okay, and she's going to travel a hundred miles to do this. So this was not a casual visit. When Mary finally arrives at Elizabeth's house, and, and I'm finally getting to, you know, the passage that we read here, our text this morning, it triggers a spontaneous celebration, a reunion of sorts. Verse 41 says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Now, who was this other baby? Who was this baby that 
Elizabeth is carrying. Yeah, if you know your scripture, right, you know it's John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus, who was to eventually prepare the hearts and minds of the people for the Messiah. Let me read Mark uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So remember that Jesus and John won't actually start their ministries for another 30 years. Okay, they're in the womb right now. They're just unborn children, as we read in the passage here in Luke 1. Okay, but they will cross paths in ministry in 30 years. And this is what Isaiah and Mark speak of. But here in utero, here in, in, in Elizabeth's womb, we see that John, he jumps at Mary's voice because he knows that Jesus is in the house. Right? He knows that Jesus is present. See, Christ's presence can arouse worship, can arouse worship, even in an unborn child. And that's, I, that's incredible, but this is the worth of Christ. This is the worth of Jesus. And one of the things I'd like to see in this passage this morning is that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy, this power of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, which we so often, I think, overlook or forget. The power of the Holy Spirit is present and active in and among God's people. Jesus says in John 14, 16 and 17, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, with, to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And these are Jesus' words to his, to his disciples, the promise of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 1.15, it says John, it says of John, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. So scripture speaks of this earlier in Luke. Even before John is born, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly what we see in verse 41, where when he hears Mary's voice, he jumps in the womb. Then we go on and we see that 80-something-year-old Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, she starts to exclaim honor and blessings upon Mary. So I don't know if you kind of get the whole picture, um, but this is an unusual scene. This is a crazy type of reunion. Um, It is like a bunch of international students dancing around in your living room on Thanksgiving Day. That's, that's our experience. 
Um, it is an unusual, highly unusual scene here. See, Elizabeth, who is much older than Mary, she would typically be one, the one receiving honor and respect. The older receiving honor and respect from the younger. Instead, she is shouting how blessed Mary is and how honored she is that Mary would come visit her. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth recognizes, she recognizes the significance of the baby Mary is carrying. By the Holy Spirit. And like fashion, the Holy Spirit is present and active in us. He helps us to act in faith. He helps us to do the things the Lord wants us to do to glorify God. We are to grow as believers in sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. That's why one of the core values of our church, you know, we talked about this last year, almost a year ago. We talked about our mission statement, to spread a passion for God so that he is above all else in our lives, church, and community. And we follow that with several core values. Um, And I don't know if you remember them all, but one of them is sensitivity, spirit-led sensitivity. It is us having this sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So Elizabeth honors Mary, and then what does Mary do? Mary glorifies God. When we look at verses 46 through 55 this morning, we see that Mary, also filled with the Holy Spirit, sings a song of praise She sings a song of praise before Elizabeth. It's a praise known as the Magnificat. It's a song of glory to God. Much of her song refers back to the Old Testament. And it refers to God's deliverance and God's blessing upon the nation of Israel. And we see these things sung by Moses in the book of Exodus. Deborah in the book of Judges and Hannah in the book of 1 Samuel. In these verses, Mary praises God for his favor to her and his mercy to the nation of Israel. Now, if you look at the lyrics, she really is effusive. She honors God because he is great, he is holy, it says he's merciful, he's sovereign, he's mighty, he's just, he's true. These are remarkable words by a poor, young, uneducated, unwed Jewish girl whose life has just gotten significantly more complicated because the angel visited her. From an earthly perspective, Mary has a lot to be thinking about, a lot to be worried about. As a poor young girl, She's already on the margin of society. And now she's unwed and she's expecting. What would Joseph think? What would her family think? How will she provide for her baby? Who will take care of her? 
Mary could have easily let fear and worry consume her. And I want to ask the question to to you. Do worry and concern sometimes take over your life? Do you worry over finances, over family, over school, over work, over your health? Do you worry about these things more than you should? And I put that in, more than you should. What do do I mean by more than you should? I think there are seasons of life that try our souls. I think there are times in life, and they can stretch weeks, months, it can stretch a long time, that try our souls, that are difficult and, and, and are really a downtime. And God is not oblivious to this. Okay, we read about these things in the book of Job, in the book of Judges, in Lamentations, in Ecclesiastes. Faithful, godly people who go through difficult things in seasons of life. And that may be, that may be where you're at. However, for those that aren't, in the normal day-to-day, in our normal day-to-day walk of life, excessive worry can steal our joy and it can remove our focus on God and his will. And this is something that the enemy wants, is to make us worry in this way so that it steals the good things that God has done in our lives and the good things that we have received and the good things that we can expect. Okay? And take our eyes off him and his will for us. I think that the testimony that Bill and Ginny gave this morning is such an encouragement. Um, it's such an encouragement because you can see they shared they've had a hard year. Such a difficult year. But they light before us the candle of peace. Because I believe their faith, I know their faith and their trust and their love for the Lord is deep. And Mary's faith in God is deep. She has every reason to be concerned about what's coming up, what's going to happen in the next six, nine months, in the next year. And she praises God. I believe it's the Holy Spirit that calms her anxieties and her fears. And it fills her heart with praise. That's how she's able to say in verses 46 and 47, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Oh, that we could say that, right, in the difficulties of our lives. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we know him as the helper, the advocate. Okay, and the Greek word used for those is, um, refers to one who is called alongside somebody else, called alongside another person, providing the idea of a guide or an encourager to help during times of need. This is the purpose, part of the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to help us in our times of need. This is why Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to the disciples in John 14, and then he sends the Holy Spirit to the church in Acts 2 to help, to guide, and to encourage. And it's not 
It's not an intellectual thing. We don't find peace and strength in our lives because we look everything over, we think it through, and it makes sense not to worry. That's not how it works. The Holy Spirit, through God's love and care for us, provides that comfort and peace that we seek. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that brings an assurance deep within us that these things that we read in Scripture, that we teach, that we listen to on Sundays are true, and they are right, and that God is who he says he is. Romans 15, 13, the Apostle Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In times of uncertainty, in times of fear and worry, ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit that you might have this peace and joy. So Mary's song, as we look back towards the end of this passage, Mary, she provides this praise to God. And it is a song. These are really lyrics and stanzas that we're reading. But her song looks back and it remembers God's deliverance and faithfulness for the past. But make no mistake, this passage is not about the past. It's a passage of anticipation about what God will do in the future. See, God has put Mary and Elizabeth together. He has put these two together to encourage and to support one another. And I'm sure they will talk about things like morning sickness. They will talk about the physical and biological changes to their body. They will talk about how their sons may play together as relatives. But more than that, they share an eager anticipation of what God will do through the birth of Jesus Christ. This passage is rich. We hear this passage every Christmas, but this passage is rich because it's the intersection of the promise of God in the Old Testament and the fulfillment of Christ in the New Testament. Mary and Elizabeth, they bring these two things together. It's the old covenant with Abraham as she talks about God's faithfulness to Abraham and his descendants. She brings up the old covenant with Abraham and Israel that I will be their God and they will be my people. And he, she brings that together and it comes together with the new covenant in the blood of Christ by the baby that's in her womb. For he will save their people, the people from their sins. Right, the old and the new coming together. So these two godly women, they recognize that the future is coming and God will do great things. They look forward with anticipation. Though they don't know exactly what's going to happen, right? we have the scripture and we see how the story unfolds. They don't know exactly what's going to happen. Elizabeth and Mary, still, they foreshadow They foreshadow what is to come with John and Jesus. So what do I mean by that? 
in the same way that we read in the passage this morning, that Elizabeth, she honors Mary. Right? The older honors the younger. She honors Mary. What does Mary do? Mary honors God. 30 years later, John the Baptist will appear out of the wilderness as the forerunner to Jesus, and he will honor and point people to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? By his life, his death, his resurrection, he will glorify God. He honors his heavenly Father. See, these two sons, John and Jesus, inextricably tied together, are just like their mothers. They do what their mothers do. They honor one to another. They glorify God. So in all this excitement that Elizabeth and Mary share, I'd like to close with something that Zechariah says. So he's kind of off to the side, right, Zechariah. Zechariah, again, he's Elizabeth's husband. But earlier in the chapter, the angel closes his mouth. It makes, it, it, he keeps him from speaking. So there's months, these months pass, okay, where Zechariah cannot speak. And I guess this explains why Elizabeth and Mary are having such a good time, you know. <laughs> right? They're together and they're like, you know, having this great reunion. And Zechariah's on the side and he can't talk. Okay. Finally, though, later in the chapter when he gets his voice back, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, it says. Again, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesies. See what it says in verses 76 through 79. And he's speaking about his son, John, but he's really describing and testifying to the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Luke 1, 76 through 79 says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. These are Zechariah's words that he prophesies. This is what Jesus is going to do. And as we celebrate the Advent season as a church family, as believers, as followers of Christ, um, May Christ shine on you, as Zacharias says. May he shine on you and guide your feet onto the path of peace. Let's pray. Father, we seek, we seek this peace. Lord, we seek a, a peace beyond understanding. Lord, that is not of this world, but is from you. But more than the peace, Lord, and the joy that we experience during the season, we seek you. Lord, we want to give ourselves to you. We ask that you would uh, minister to us. Lord, we are weak and feeble. Um, We pray for your strength and your encouragement. We ask that you work in each person's heart here this morning. Lord, draw them closer to you so they might experience your love, your greatness, your holiness, your sovereignty, your mercy, and your compassion. I pray this for us, for our church. 
uh, and for those in our families in Jesus' name. Amen.